You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. We do thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that you can't do. We praise you because you are the God of the impossible, the same yesterday and today and forever. And we thank you for your word that stirs faith in us to believe for the impossible. And we invite you now, Holy Spirit, to come and to speak through your word. Stir faith in us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we are continuing with this thought of a miracle through our hands. And this is part four. And today's title is The Scattered Church Brings the Kingdom. I want to take us today to have a look at Philip in the book of Acts. So kids, if you're listening right now, I want you to listen to what I say to Philip at the start this morning. And then I'm going to ask you either to draw what Philip did or to get some teddies or dolls and pretend to be Philip. So listen up carefully. Now, Philip was not one of the 12 disciples. This is a different Philip. But he was one of the ones who was there, part of the 120 who were in the upper room, who prayed and waited for the Holy Spirit. He was one, perhaps to whom Jesus had said those words that we read in Acts 1 verse 8, that says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit did come. He was poured out into that upper room. But really the next few chapters of Acts, uh, all the action really that we see is with Peter and John. They were the big big guns in the early uh, chapters of Acts. Maybe Philip was involved behind the scenes, perhaps praying when Peter and John were imprisoned and then released in Acts chapter 4. We don't hear of Philip again until Acts chapter 6. And what's going on there? There's some sort of dispute or some trouble within the church. There's uh, some disruption because there's a problem with the distribution of food to the widows and it's not being handled fairly. And so the apostles begin a search to find some men who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to take on this role. And they find Philip amongst others. Philip gets chosen. And so he takes on the role of serving within this growing family of the church in Jerusalem. There's another man Stephen, he's on the same serving team with Philip. He's also known for miraculous signs and wonders. He's clearly full of the Holy Spirit and knows how to minister to others. But perhaps because of the power with which he ministers, he faced some massive opposition. He gets accused of blasphemy, wrongly accused and stoned to death. You can read about that in Acts chapter 7. So Philip had begun serving in the church but then church life was violently disrupted. In fact, disrupted way beyond what we experience right now. The church there was persecuted. Now, I know this season is genuinely hard for many, well, for most of us. It's a helpful reminder that around the world, we have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are facing the same challenges of COVID, but also face actual persecution. I've been praying since June of this year for a pastor that I was told about through a missionary connection who had been and continues to support him in a country in the Middle East that I can't name. He was leading a church where people had already faced famine and faced floods and were facing COVID. And then 
this man, this pastor was arrested because of his faith and because of his connection with overseas Christians. His wife and his little family still don't know when they may or may not see him again. So I know this season is hard for us, genuinely so, but we're not facing persecution like that. And there are many around the world facing an even harsher reality. So let's go back and remember what happened in Jerusalem. This is Acts chapter eight, one to eight. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. In Jerusalem then, the church was scattered. This gathering, growing church ended up being scattered as believers had to flee out to Judea and Samaria and the surrounding country. Philip himself went to Samaria. It tells us he told people about Jesus there. He prayed for them. He saw them healed. He saw them released from demonic oppression. In fact, it tells us there was great joy in that city. Peter and John, they had remained in Jerusalem, but they came to join Philip because although they'd been scattered, they'd obviously remained connected. And when these guys came, they saw many people baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, really what's going on here, there is revival in Samaria. If you were to read on through Acts 8, you'd find Philip, he's then sent off in the opposite direction and he meets with an Ethiopian official who we're told is in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He's, a, he's an important guy. This man, he was a Jew. He'd been to Jerusalem to worship and Philip comes across him and he's reading Isaiah 53, which are verses which speak prophetically of Jesus, the suffering servant, but he didn't understand it, couldn't make sense of it. And Philip was able to explain it to him and share the gospel with him. And as they pass some water at the side of the road, the Ethiopian says, well, could I get baptized here and now? And, and he was baptized. He became a follower of Jesus and then carried on his way to Ethiopia, taking the good news of Jesus with him. Philip, he'd been there in the upper room. This led him to being part of the church, serving in the church, involved in meeting need. And then there's this disruption and scattering and it forced him out to Samaria where he experienced God putting miracles through his hands again and again. And then he finds himself, himself sharing the truth of the gospel with a significant Ethiopian official, part of the gospel being taken to, if you like, the ends of the earth. Ethiopia was two and a half thousand kilometers from Gaza where he met them. He was being a witness in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Philip had been part of that first church, serving, full of the Holy Spirit, but he became a bringer of the kingdom, carrying Jesus by his spirit wherever he went. And Philip's step changed when the church was scattered. He shifted from a faithful, spirit-filled servant in the church community to Philip the evangelist, as he's often known today. He became a kingdom bringer, 
and it happened when the church was forcibly scattered. So kids, draw a picture or get your teddies, sit them around. You can share food out to them. You can be Philip doing that. And then maybe take your teddies and spread them out around the room and then be Philip and go to them one by one, share Jesus with them, pretend to pray for them to be healed. And I hope that isn't too distracting for you parents and carers. So why focus on Philip today? Well, I think Philip's journey can help us as we come to Vision Weekend in this horribly disrupted season. As we approach Vision Sunday on the 15th of November, you know, it's perfectly reasonable and right for us to ask, well, what is the vision? What is the vision now? With everything so different and so disrupted? Of course, it's true. Times are very different, but the vision remains unchanged. Our purpose remains unchanged. CLM exists to bring the kingdom of God into every life and sphere of society. By that, we mean the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ, his lordship, his honor, his ways, his love, his gospel, his truth, his grace, his power, his justice. This is our purpose. And the vision of what we see is unchanged. We see in partnership with other churches, our city transformed for the glory of God. That it will be a place where there's healing, a place where it's easy to find Jesus, a place where relationships are restored and families are reconciled, a place where debts are paid and hungry are fed, where businesses flourish and creativity flows, a city of justice and of opportunity for all, a city where the refugee is welcomed, a place where the lonely are befriended, where children are safe, where generational cycles of poverty and oppression are broken and the streets can be walked in peace. Because these are the things that happen when the kingdom of God truly comes. This is our vision. This is the vision to be a church that brings the kingdom. For more than five years now, our stated plan of how we might do this has three strands. The first is to nurture Christ-centered community, friendships with Jesus at the center. Life groups remain a priority for this. And we're so grateful that in this season, we're able to still meet on Zoom, even whilst we may of course prefer to meet in person, but at least we can still have this primary way to stay connected while scattered. If you're not in a life group, we'd encourage you to get connected. You can email uh, lifegroups at clmchurch.co.uk. And let me take this opportunity to give a massive shout out to our life group leaders. Guys, you have done such an incredible job this year of stepping up to maintain and be consistent in making places to meet and to create Christ and community, even amidst all the disruption. We honor you and we thank you. And I encourage you, why don't you message your life group leader today, encourage them, thank them for what they give week in and week out. The second strand of this plan, which you're probably familiar with, is to facilitate spiritual growth through courses and teaching, encounter with God, opportunities to serve and to step out and to lead. We're delighted to have had 550 people complete the rooted discipleship journey and 352 people complete different stages of serving and leading, which is leadership training here at CLM. 
we remain committed to facilitating spiritual growth in every individual. And we're so pleased that almost all of this has been able to be moved online in this season. The third strand of the plan of how we might bring the kingdom is to engage with effective mission. Mission that acts in compassion and demonstrates the love of Jesus and proclaims him. That's why we've been involved for the last six years in running a winter night shelter for rough sleepers, providing many thousand hot meals and sheltered nights. We've seen some guests get permanently off the streets, get their lives restored relationships reconciled and seeing them coming back then to volunteer and to help others. Effective mission is why we've partnered with Carriers of Hope to support those who are seeking asylum. And it would be great for many of us in the month ahead to be preparing Christmas gifts in shoeboxes to partner with Carriers of Hope. This is why we've partnered with Hope for Justice, Effective Mission. They're seeking to rescue and rehabilitate victims of human trafficking and seeking to secure prosecution for perpetrators of modern day slavery. They're seeking and pursuing justice. Effective Mission, it's why we've partnered with the Message Trust, reaching out to young people in secondary schools. It's why we've been involved with healing on the streets. It's why pre-COVID Synergy ministered into care homes. It's why we began a work of partnership with True Vine Church in Lebanon, working with Syrian refugees. This, this is the plan of how we can go about bringing the kingdom. And yes, so much has changed. And we all miss Sunday gatherings where we can sing. And you know, if you're not sure why we're doing things the way that we're doing, doing them, well, I do encourage you to read the government guidelines. They're publicly available. You can look at those on gov.uk on their website. But you know, we're learning to worship on Sunday afternoons without singing and with a smaller number of people because we're not all able to be present at the same time. But we're finding we can still enjoy a precious sense of the presence of God as the Holy Spirit ministers to us, to the congregation in that space. We're learning how to pray on Zoom. If you haven't yet joined a church Zoom prayer meeting, then you've missed engaging with the passion and the energy and the engagement and community of God's people as they join together to pray and worship. Please do join us. I believe the Lord is desiring to grow us, his people, in prayer in this season because it underpins everything that we do to bring his kingdom. For sure, we miss how things were. I've got to say, when I first saw this year's vision booklet, which you'll hopefully either have seen or be seeing soon, I looked at the photos and I wept because it stirred in me a deep ache and a longing to be with the church family in the way that we were. But the vision, the purpose for the church remains unchanged. Christ-centered community, spiritual growth and effective mission. They're needed as much, if not more than ever. Our city needs the kingdom of God to break in more than ever. We are still here to bring the kingdom. So the vision is unchanged. The vision offering, what, what is it for? What will it go to? Where will the money go? Well, if we manage to pay off the remaining mortgage, that then what, you might be asking? Well, quite simply, the vision offering will go uh, towards the outworking of this vision of CLM and broadly in the following three areas. First up, 
It will help to support existing ministries and missions, some of the things that I've mentioned, ensuring they remain healthy and strong. We want to ensure that we keep having an adequately resourced hardship fund that supports CLM and members of CLM as we journey through the months ahead. We're so conscious that particularly as we cease trading as a conference center, we anticipate uh, some financial shortfall. And so something from the vision offering will be required to help to support existing ministries and mission. The second area is new opportunities. We want to be ready to step into what God has for us. We're exploring setting up a Jubilee Fund to work with clients of Christians Against Poverty, which is a debt relief agency, and helping them to become debt free. We already work with CAP, Christians Against Poverty, as a missions partner, and we'll be running their money management course here starting on November the 4th to help us to budget and save and spend well. And also, actually, additional to the money management course, if you are in debt or if you are worried about getting into debt, Christians Against Poverty also offer one-to-one -one input with trained debt coaches. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking with Ian Burton, who's the manager of Coventry Debt Centre, and he said at the moment, their debt coaches have some available spaces. Normally, you'd have at least a three-month waiting list, but they don't have that at the moment. So if you would value some help, you can access that right away. And Ian uh, said to me that as members of CLM, if you want to, you can either access that via the CAP website or he is happy for you to contact him direct and we can give you his phone number to do that. And if you want to access that, you can email online at clmchurch.co.uk and access some specific help straight away. That's a, just a bonus for you, something that's available for us right now through partnership with CAP. But we're excited at the prospect of setting up a Jubilee Fund that works with CAP, that helps those who are already engaging with the process of getting out of debt, but helps them to get there quicker and expresses an overflow of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us in paying our debts. There's some other new opportunities that we're looking to advance if finances allow. We're looking for CLM's online presence to reach wider, wider than it has done. We are conscious that that may require more staffing, more equipment. We also uh, want to explore ways to develop and release CLM's worship. We believe there's a sound that needs developing, releasing, perhaps making available more widely. And there've been some prophetic words that speak into this in the last season. In the next season, we're looking to develop CLM's kingdom impact through you, the congregation, where you live, where you work, the places, the spheres where you have influence. And whether we do that individually or corporately together, you may or you may not be aware there are numbers of individuals from CLM who are involved at different levels within City of Culture. And we continue to stay close to developments to see how we might maximize our involvement there. We want to be ready to respond to missional opportunities and needs as they arise. Needs like those this week of families who would normally receive free school meals in term time. And this week, we were so pleased to be able to contribute to feeding Coventry and make, uh, be part of their response. And we know there's gonna be no shortage of needs in the days and months that lie ahead. And we want to be ready to respond to new needs and new opportunities 
as they arise. And thirdly, we want to prepare for tomorrow. A portion of the vision offering may be required to clear what is left of the church mortgage. But once this is done, we believe we should begin to set aside something to provide and make us ready for major capital investments that we believe the Lord will lead us into in the days and perhaps years ahead. And we want to prepare for that just as the previous generation did that to help us to get to where we are today. So three areas, to support existing ministries and mission, to make way for new opportunities and to prepare for tomorrow. In the midst of all the uncertainty, all that we don't know, we do know this, that the Lord is continuing to build his church and to use it to bring his kingdom in the earth. He's putting miracles through the church's hands. I saw a statistic this week, which is from your neighbor who've coordinated church and denominational responses, particularly this year within lockdown. And they stated that the church have provided 5 million meals per month. That sounds to me like a miracle through the church's hands. And yet church, like everything in this season, feels so horribly disrupted. And it can be hard to feel like the church when we can't gather in the way that we used to or worship quite how we used to. I'm sure that Philip and those early believers in Jerusalem must have felt some of that too, and more. They'd gathered sometimes daily. They knew the presence, the tangible presence and power of Jesus. They'd seen people added to their number every day. Church had been going really well for them in Jerusalem. And then it was so horribly and violently disrupted. A dear brother was killed for his faith. That must have been so deeply traumatic. The church was no longer gathered. It was connected, but it was scattered. And yet their purpose remained unchanged to be witnesses of Jesus, to be carriers of kingdom, life and love and freedom full of the Holy Spirit. And it was when the church was scattered that Philip moved from serving in the church to bringing the kingdom in Samaria. The church was scattered and Philip moved from Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. Acts 8 verse 4 says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The church was scattered, but Jesus kept building it. They were scattered, but a connected community of believers filled with the Holy Spirit, carrying the presence of God wherever they went. And the gospel spread and the kingdom came in, in lives and in families and towns and cities like Samaria. And it was a source of great joy. Jesus has continued to build his church to bring the kingdom. It has prevailed through terrible persecution, through epidemics, global pandemics, and the church still stands to bring the kingdom, the rule and the reign of Jesus. So yet in this season, we are a scattered church, able to meet in person, but with some limitations, a connected but scattered church. But the vision remains unchanged to bring the kingdom of God into every life and sphere of society, to see our city change with the love and presence and power of Jesus Christ, who gave himself fully and completely for this purpose, to be a church that make ourselves available to God, that he might do a miracle through our hands wherever we are, to be a church that bring his kingdom on our watch 
in our day, on our streets, with our neighbours, in our families and our workplaces, through our words and our actions and our prayers to bring glory to Jesus and joy to the city. Join with me and pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your purpose through the ages and that you do not change. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring your kingdom on the earth and that you gave your life for this. Help us in this season of disruption. Please pour out your spirit afresh on us. Strengthen our hearts. Bring us your peace and anoint us afresh with your presence and with your power. Position us that we as your people might bring your kingdom. Help us to make ourselves available, to bring to you what little we have that you might work a miracle through our hands as individuals and together as a community, scattered but joined by you, carrying you wherever we go. And Lord, allow us the privilege of partnering with your purposes in this season. Let your kingdom come and transform our city, we pray. And so we say, be praised, King Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and let your kingdom come. Amen.